Now, today is Vision Sunday. It's a day that we use to talk about things that are very, very important to the church. And uh, we all know, I think we started from last week already. I talked to you about how our vision for the next two years is very simply encapsulated in this phrase, which goes like this. We want to grow deeper and we want to go missioner. Everybody say with me, we are going deeper and we are going missioner. We want to grow deeper in our walk with God. At the same time, we're going to go missioner so that the world can be impacted by us. And this morning, to couch the entire uh, time that I want to share with you, I, I want to share with you something which I've entitled, What is the Church? This is the church in action. Okay, and I want to invite you now to go with me, if you have your Bibles, to go to Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to read together Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. Okay, go with me now to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25, and you will use that as a, a text to just launch us into our subject this morning. Hebrews 10, reading from verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, let us, and since you have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. And notice the word day there is in capital letter, D-A-Y, which means it's talking about the day of the coming. Of the Lord. As we see more and more, as we enter more and more into the end times, these things need to happen. Let's bow, we have a word of prayer. Father, I ask this morning that you will anoint your servant so I may deliver your heart to your people. Lord, as we speak, may your Holy Spirit be speaking to us. Lord, direct us, anoint your servant so that I may speak with authority and yet with simplicity. In Jesus' name. We pray, amen, amen. You know, to celebrate the 100th anniversary of the French Revolution, there was an international exposition that was held in 1889 because they wanted to celebrate the 100th anniversary of the French Revolution. And as part of the celebration, there was a competition to build a monument, you know, for the event. And the winner of that competition actually built his structure and it was deemed to be so ugly that the citizens of that city actually demanded for that monument to be demolished straight after the event. But the architect was so sure that his creation was destined for greatness that he defended it furiously. And today, I want you to know that this structure stands as one of the architectural wonders of the modern world. It is actually a global landmark in the city of Paris. The architect was Alexandre Gustave Eiffel, and his structure was the world-famous Eiffel Tower in Paris. Can you imagine the Eiffel Tower was deemed to be ugly when it was first built? They wanted to demolish it right after the event. But today, 
it is a global icon. Now, in the same way, I want you to know the church was rejected by the people at her inception. But Jesus, our divine architect, knew that the church was destined for greatness. And how many of you agree with that? The church was destined for greatness. And so he died for her. He redeemed her and empowered her to fulfill her destiny. And one day, our divine architect is coming back to claim us as his bride for eternity. And we all say amen to that. Now, in the scriptures, we actually see that there are two institutions established by God for the protection and the well-being of mankind. One is the family. That is established by God for the well-being and protection of mankind. But the other is the church. The word church in the, in the Greek is the word ecclesia. Ecclesia. It's actually a compound word that is made out of two words, ek, which means out of, and the word kalio, which means to call. Thus, the word ecclesia literally means the called out ones. So who are we? We are actually a people specially called out by God. And it gives the, the idea of a people specially called out for a specific task a people called out to uniquely relate to God and a people that is bonded by a common destiny. So in, in the scriptures, the word ecclesia actually refers to the nation of Israel in the Old Testament and the Christian community in the New Testament. So what are we? We are the ecclesia. We are a called out people. So what exactly is the church. I want you to capture a vision for the church this morning. What is the church? If I can paint for you now three common biblical pictures of the church, I kind of summarize it. There are many, many uh, metaphors used, but I'll, I'll paint for you three biblical pictures of the church. The first is this. We are the household of God. The church is the household of God. It's the family of God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, the Apostle Paul said this, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. How many of you know our God is a relational God and He treasures relationship? But I want you to understand at the same time that within the very nature of God, He is sufficient relationally. God is self-sufficient relationally. Why? It's because our God is a trinity. He is three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There is perfect harmony already within the Godhead. Between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they already have relationship. And that relationship is perfect in itself. As such, what I'm saying is this, God does not need a family, but God desires one. Because within himself, he is already relationally sufficient. But God does not need us to have a family, but he desires one so that he can bring us into his household and then share with us all that he has. So listen, brothers and sisters, the entire Bible is a story of God building a family. God building a household who loves Him and who loves one another. And that family is called the church. And that's who we are. We are a family called by God to love God and to love one another. 
Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. Listen to what Paul says here. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Now, listen, people. All men are God's creation, but not all men are God's children. All of us are God's creation, but not all men are God's children. Why? It's because of sin. That when sin came into the world, created mankind is now separated from God. We're now separated from God. It is true only to the born again experience that we can again become a part of God's family. So here's the point. Through our physical birth, we become a part of the human family. But it is only to the born again experience that we will again become members of God's family. So all men are God's creation, but not all men are God's children. And when we came to Christ, all of us here, when we came to Christ, God became our father and we became brothers and sisters in the Lord. And now we become a spiritual family called the church. And that's who we are. And don't miss this. The spiritual family is even more important than your physical family because this is the only institution that will last through eternity. You see, please don't misunderstand me. Huh? I love my family. Uh, you know, I, I am forever grateful for my wife, my children, my grandchildren, my extended family, and you know, they're all here. But having said that, the truth is, our earthly family is a wonderful blessing from God. But it is temporal. It will only last until the grave. How many of you know in heaven, we don't have marriages anymore? In, in heaven, there are no there are no fathers and grandfathers anymore. You only have one father in heaven, you see? And only the church, the household of God, will last through eternity. So brothers and sisters of FCC, being included in God's family is the highest honor. It is the greatest privilege we can ever receive. Nothing else comes close. You and I belong to the greatest institution on the face of this earth. So whenever you feel unloved, unwanted, unimportant, please remember this unchanging truth. You are a part of God's household. You know, you belong to the church of the living God. And this is only the result of God's love. It's only because of God's love that we can become a part of God's household. Ephesians 1.5 says this, In love, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. It is only because of God's love that we are now a household of God. Amen. That's the first thing we need to recognize. We are the household of God. Here's the second. We are also the body of Christ. The household of God, the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27, Paul wrote this. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. Our relationship with God is personal, but it was never meant to be private. It is personal, but it is not private. We are a part of a greater whole. We are a critical part of something bigger than ourselves. 
The Apostle Paul illustrated this concept most beautifully by, by using our human body, okay? And in, in Romans chapter 12, verse four and five, this is what Paul wrote. For just as each of us has one body and many members, and those, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. Following Jesus is not just about believing, it is also about belonging. And we are members of one another because we are one body. And what Paul meant here is that each of us has become an indispensable, interconnected part of the body of Christ. Some of us are more like hands, some are more like feet, some are more like ears, some are more like eyes. We all have different functions and we, uh, we are all created for specific roles and we all have different functions to play. But how many of you also know that these roles and functions can only be played out when we are attached to a living body? Am I right? You know, these roles and functions can only happen when you are attached to a living body. That is why it's so important that we all be, are attached to a local church. We must become contributing members of the body of Christ. Someone put it this way. Every function in the body has a member to perform it. And every member in the body has a function to perform. Got me? Every member in the body has a function to perform. Every function in the body has a member to perform it. I know that there are many Christians who may be doing nothing, but there are no Christians who have nothing to do. <laughs> we all have something to do. You know, with my recent episode with my cataracts and my eyes and all that, I've come to realize you know, how important my eyes are. But how many of you know these eyes, huh? even though now it's seeing perfectly, it is, when it is detached from my body, it becomes useless, right? It, however important our eyes may be, separated from the body, it will shrivel and die. So it doesn't matter how gifted you are. It doesn't matter how important you are, how capable you are. We cannot exist on our own. If we are not connected to the local church, our spiritual life will wither and fizzle out. And that is why one of the first signs of spiritual deterioration inside is this, inconsistent attendance in worship services and connect groups. Can I be honest with you? I mean, we can come up with all kinds of reasons, but I've observed, after 40 years of ministry, I've observed the same thing again and again. One of the, one of the signs of spiritual de deterioration is inconsistent attendance in worship services, connect groups, and things like that. That's why one of the disturbing trends in Christianity today is a decreasing commitment to the local church. That, to me, is a very disturbing trend. See, why? Because uncommitted Christians lead to unhealthy churches. Unhealthy churches breed more uncommitted Christians and it becomes a vicious cycle that will eventually affect the community and the culture that we are in. Since the COVID-19 pandemic, studies have shown that the typical church across the world now I'm talking about, the typical church has about 50% of the congregation members attend one or two out of four weeks. That's the trend. 
50% of churches across the world now are attending either one or two weeks, either online or, or physical, one or two weeks out of four weeks. And that to me is a disturbing trend. How did we get here? How did we even, how did we even come to accept that 50% or 25% show up rate in church is normal? Is it because we have accepted this false idea that weekly commitment to a local church is too legalistic? But here's the thing, if we recognize that our local church is a spiritual family, not just a club, it's a spiritual family, then being committed together once a week with family, I think is healthy, it's not legalistic. What do you think? I think it's healthy. If the local church is not a club that I join, but rather a family that I belong to, then it must have a place of priority in my life. Or have we allowed culture to actually dictate our schedules? If Christians would just put our spiritual life ahead of Sunday morning sports or art classes or farmer's market, I think things would be different. Don't mind me direct speaking to you. I think it will make a difference. And parents, please remember this, that our decisions in such matters send a message to our children about what is important and what is not. And as our contemporary culture begins to put down local church commitment, I think we begin to hear arguments like this. The church is not a building. The church is a people. That's true. The church is not about attending. It's about sending. That's true too. You know, all of these comments, even though they are true, they are often used to suggest that the gathering of God's people each week is not that important. You see, and, and the thing is this, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 tell us this, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds and not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but what? Encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. The context of this passage that we just read in the book of Hebrews was that the early church was undergoing severe persecution. So out of fear, some of the people were beginning to deny their faith and they were going back to Judaism. Others have stopped gathering out of fear. And the writer of Hebrews was challenging those Jewish believers not to give up their faith but to continue to lay hold of their faith. And one of the challenges he gave to the church then, and I want to give it to you this morning, is this. Let's not give up meeting together. As somebody in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, all the more as we see the day approaching. C.S. Lewis, the great thinker, used to say this. The basic laboratory for knowing God is the Christian community. What's the best way to know God? It's through the Christian community. And with the COVID-19 pandemic, the advent of the online church, Christianity is increasingly becoming a spectator spot. People across the world, people just tune in to watch rather than to be the church to one another. We don't just tune in to watch, we want to be the church to one another. So we need God to put a new love in our hearts for the church of Jesus Christ. A love that will cause us to be faithful in bringing our tithes and offerings to ensure the work of the Lord will not be hindered. A love that will cause us to pray, to minister to one another, to contribute to the growth of the church and will cause us not to neglect the house of God. You know, in my travels and through years of ministry, I often hear people ask me this question. Can I be a Christian and don't join the church? 
Have you ever heard that before? Can I be a Christian and don't join the church? My answer to them is standard. I say, yes, it is possible. Because, you know, our relationship with God is, is personal. That's true. However, if you are a Christian and don't want to join the church, you will be like a student who refused to go to school. You will be like a soldier who don't want to join an army. You're like a citizen with no country. You're like a, a captain with no crew, a general with no troops. You're like a salesman with nothing to sell. You're like a businessman on a deserted island. Do business by yourself. You know, you're like a father with no family. You're like a politician with no party. Like a, you're like a trombone player without orchestra. The only sound you can make is paw, paw, paw. You'd be like spaghetti with no sauce. You'd be like nasalama with no chili. You know, something is missing. Something is just not right. So you ask me, why is it so important to, for us to gather and to congregate? I'll tell you why the writer of Hebrews tell us, it is so that we can encourage one another. We're not here just to attend and watch and enjoy and go home. We are here to encourage one another. You go to your cell groups, not just to enjoy the food at the end of the, of the cell group. I know, there's great food in the cell groups. <laughs> but your purpose there is to encourage one another. Hebrews 10, right? Verse 24 and 25. Consider how you can spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as but encouraging one another. This word encourage, a beautiful word. I love this word. Just the word encourage itself. Make me feel courage already. You know, because the, the word encourage is actually compound word also, two words. And, which means in, uh, ent entrance, entry, and courage. That means what? What is encouragement? It's when somebody come alongside you and pour in courage where there is none left. I got no courage left in me, so you come alongside me, you pour courage into me. And that's what we need to do for one another. Encourage one another. And how many of you agree? We all need encouragement every now and then. The first time mother needs encouragement. The struggling businessman needs encouragement. The single mother needs encouragement. The lonely young person needs encouragement. The discouraged pastor needs encouragement. We all need encouragement. <laughs> and someone say, uh, someone put it this way, a pat on the back always pushes out the chest. Yeah, we need that, man. Sometimes you're so down. You know, somebody come alongside you, pat your back, the chest comes up. We need that. How can we encourage one another if we forsake the assembling of ourselves together in our connect groups, in our corporate worship services? In fact, this is so important that Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 and 13 actually tells us the consequence of not doing it. What if I don't encourage you? What if you don't encourage me? Listen to what it says here in Hebrews 3. See to it, brothers, that none of you have a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you will be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. How often are we encouraged? Uh, how, are we, uh, how often are we to encourage one another? It says daily. Amazing, isn't it? Daily. Which reminds me, you know, it's so important to recognize that our Christian community, our connect groups, they don't just exist once a week on a Friday or a Wednesday, but the real connect group happens when, you know, it's the IBMs, it's the in between meetings, it's Friday to Friday in between. Do we encourage one another? What happens if we don't? The Bible tells us. 
that if you don't, I might harden my heart. I might fall into sin. I might go astray. But if you do, then I will be provoked to love and good deeds. That's how important it is for us to gather, to encourage, and to spur one another. See, that's the power of encouragement. We are members of the body of Christ. And therefore, we must take our local church membership seriously. And I'm not talking here about membership in terms of the organizational legal aspects of having our names in the membership role. I'm talking about becoming connected, being, and become a connected, contributing, serving part of the body of Christ. And listen to this. If we don't serve, we will just sit, soak, and turn sour. Always think of that. If we don't serve, we will sit, soak, and then we turn sour. Because the truth is this. If you don't serve, you don't grow. So don't wait any longer. We need each other. We are indispensable parts of the body of Christ. Every one of you here seated in this hall, you have, and those of you online, you know, every one of you has spiritual gifts and talents that are deposited in you when you were born again. I think it is time to place a demand on your spiritual abilities and use them to glorify God and to edify one another. Some of you may say, but pastor, I don't know my gifts. I want you to know that you don't discover your gifts by sitting and speculating. You discover your gifts by serving. It is in serving that you find out what you're good at and what you're not so good at, and then you narrow down to what you're really good at. God did not make any one of us here good for nothing. He made all of us good for something. So you stepped out of the hall today, you go sign up and we can start serving. We've got so many things that we need. We need more volunteers. You, any one of you can actually become a part of our service team. You know, I like this poem. We can't spell Sunday without you, right? You can't spell church without you. You cannot spell success without you. Our church needs you to help. We are counting on you. Really. <laughs> <laughs> And it's so important. So number one, we are a household of God, a family. Number two, we are the body of Christ, here to serve one another and to serve God. But thirdly and very importantly, we are also the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are a temple of the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians chapter three, verse 16, Paul wrote here, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and God's spirit lives in you. The church is a called out people to be a household of God, the body of Christ, but now the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. What makes us one, brothers and sisters, is not that our names are listed in the same church membership role. What makes us one is not just because we belong to the same connect group. What makes us one is the Holy Spirit that resides in all of us. Hello? See, we are one with one another not because of legal or organizational reason. We are one with one another because of a spiritual reason. We have the same Holy Spirit residing in all of us. This is what makes us one in the body. And that is why sometimes, have you ever experienced this? You go into a foreign country and you meet a Christian for the first time, total stranger. And yet, the moment you find out that we are Christians, immediately, there is a kind of an instant connection. There's an instant connection in the spirit. Why? It's spirit to spirit. 
we feel a sense of kindred spirit. Why? It's because we have the same Holy Spirit living in us. Paul says in Ephesians 1, verse 13 and 14, listen, don't miss this one, huh? You also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in Him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance unto the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. Hallelujah. We are a fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Household of God, body of Christ. Now, the big question is this. Why did God make us into a family? Why did God equip us with His gifts and empower us with His Holy Spirit? It is so that He can now use us to advance the purposes of His kingdom. When Jesus was on earth, God used Him physically, right? In His physical body to touch a broken world. Today, God is using the church, that's all of us here, to actually continue His work of touching a broken world. As members of God's body, we are now His hands, His feet, His eyes, His ears, and through the church, Jesus continues to touch a broken world and bring them to Himself. That's what He gave the Holy Spirit for. In Acts 1.8, right? You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the ends of the earth. The empowering of the Holy Spirit turns the church inside out. It propels the early church into the world to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in 2022, 2023, I, want, I believe God wants us as a church to go missioner not just grow deeper in our personal walk with God, but to go missioner and begin to touch a broken world. And that's why I want to introduce to you the practice of the PDA. It helps us develop a lifestyle of being missioner. So what is the PDA? It's not public display of affection, which I know many young people think. <laughs> I, I didn't know until I you talked about it the last time and then everybody, <laughs> No, I was wondering what's going on here. I found out that's what it is, okay? It's, I'm not talking about public display of affection, okay? What is the PDA? The PDA is basically this. The P stands for personal revival. As we spend daily devotional time in worship, in the Word, in prayer, it's so good to know the hundreds of you who are coming in morning and night to do devotions together. It's awesome. Because in that time of just spending time with God in His presence, in His Word, in worship, we experience personal revival. And then, once you are personally revived, we then ask God for divine appointments throughout the day. Right? Imagine you get revived. Then what do you do? You, you, you can step out of your house, you ask the Lord God, you know, give me divine appointments as I go through my day. And then there can be moments where we can offer someone a listening ear offer someone a gift of time, a word of encouragement, a loving action, or a word of prayer. And as we are on the lookout for these divine appointments, divine moments, it is driven by a missioner heart. See, so I'm personally revived because of my time spent with God. I walk out looking for divine appointments, and when they happen, I actively obey what the Holy Spirit prompts me to do. That's what the PDA is all about. So you can walk into your, you walk into your office on a Monday morning, and then your colleague walk past you and then just tell you, I'm having a terrible headache. 
Now, if you're on a lookout for divine appointment, you immediately recognize, huh, this could be a divine appointment. Then your first response when they say, I got a terrible headache, your first response is, I got Panadol, I got Panadol. No, your first response could be, hey, can I pray for you? Because this, this could be a divine appointment. Are you getting this? You know, your, your colleague come to you and said, you know, my children are going astray. You can immediately recognize this as a divine appointment. You drop everything you have and you give her a listening ear. You tell her, tell me more about it. Can I buy you a cup of coffee and let's talk about this? That might be a more opening for you to invite her to an alpha course or share the gospel with her or offer prayer to her. Whatever the Holy Spirit may prompt you to do, you just actively obey. And brothers and sisters, when we practice the PDA, missions and evangelism is no longer a program that the church has to organize. It becomes a lifestyle. Every single day, I can experience divine appointment. And then I begin to live a missionary lifestyle. I think ex example explains everything. So let me share with you a, a PDA experience my wife and I recently had, and then perhaps you can capture this, okay? A few weeks ago, I think now it's about five, six weeks ago, my wife and I went to a restaurant nearby, uh, Lapa, you know, to get a meal. The restaurant that day was very crowded and we had to wait outside, you know. So along came an Asian lady with a friend. So because we, we all had to queue, right? So we were all sitting there queuing up and this, this couple, uh, this lady and her friend came and from her accent, I can tell that she's probably Malaysian or Singaporean. So. I, I just, uh, we just struck up a conversation since we're all waiting to enter the restaurant. We struck up a conversation, and of course, because you're in the context of a restaurant, the best thing to talk about is food. Lah. So we started a conversation about food. Started exchanging notes about where to find the best laksa, where to find the best spaghetti, whatever, you know, and we we're trying to tell people where to get the best food. And then we come to the subject of soya bean milk. You know, the best tau hui, you know, that's a, the Chinese way of saying tau hui, it's, it's soil being, being cut, you know, and then she, she was telling us, you know, I know where to get the best, you know, soil being cut, you know, and she got so excited about it. And then I recognized, huh, divine appointment. I told, uh, my wife nearly turned to her and said, actually, I, I have a best recipe for making tau hui. And I, I told this lady, I said, you know, you should try my best, my, my wife tau hui is the best in the world, you should try. And then I said, I tell you what, we, she can send you the recipe. But my wife got a better idea. I said, why not you come to my house and I show you how to make it. And so on the spot, they exchanged phone numbers. And the very next Sunday, uh, we invited her to our home. And that is when, uh, as they were making the uh, recipe and all of that, that's when we f I found out she was a former Catholic that had actually converted to uh, Islam because she got married in, in, uh, as, in, to a Muslim but the marriage has ended and she's now living in Perth. And then in that conversation, we also found out that, um, she also found out that I was a pastor. And, and in fact, by divine appointment, we also discovered that her, um, her present employer in Perth is someone that we know and someone that used to come to our church. So that became another common ground and we started talking. And so we took the opportunity then to invite her to come and visit our church. And she, she said she would think about it and she went home. That she went home that day, and again, by divine appointment, she just befriended a 70-year-old Malaysian gentleman who is living in the same apartment building as her. So she asked this gentleman whether she would, he is willing to accompany her if she wants to visit our church. And she actually told 
this gentleman that she was, she actually met a pastor who invited her. And the gentleman asked her who this pastor is. And the moment she mentioned my name, he said he wanted to have lunch with me. Why? I tell you why, because his best friend in Melbourne has already been asking him to visit our church for a couple of years, but he never did it. And the reason why the best friend tell him to come is because the best friend know that he's a lost sheep. <laughs> that hasn't, he's all, then that's when we found out he was also a former Catholic who needed to come home to God. So they invited us to have lunch with them the following Sunday. So we had lunch together and over a meal, we heard their story of how God bring everything together by divine appointment. And right there in the restaurant, we had the joy and the privilege of leading them back to Christ. Um, and I want you to know, since that day, they have been coming uh, to our church. They have been, uh, I think right now, they are sitting right here in the front and there's Alexis and Nesmin. And, and it's a result of what we call the PDA, you know? personal revival, divine appointments. And when it comes, you just do what the Holy Spirit prompts you to do. And I tell you, when there is a divine appointment, we need not strive because God has done all the work behind the scene. We just end up at the right place at the right time to reap the harvest for God's glory. That's what it means to practice the PDA. Personal revival, divine appointments, active obedience. Dr. Augustus Strong said this, and with this we'll close. What are churches for but to make missionaries? What is education for but to train them? What is commerce for but to carry them? What is money for but to send them? What is life itself for but to fulfill the purpose of missions, the enthroning of Jesus Christ in the hearts of every man, woman, and child on the face of this earth? Amen. The church of Jesus Christ exists for the great commandment, grow deeper, and the great commission, let's go missioner. And that is why it's so important that we live with a missioner perspective. And that's why we need to practice the PDA. That's why we need to get involved in missions evangelism. That's why every connect group in SCC must work together to reach out to others. This is what the church exists for. Ephesians 3.10 is one of my favorite verses from Ephesians. It says this, God's intent is that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God shall be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. We are the church of the living God, the household of God, the body of Christ, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. We need to begin to see the church from God's perspective. The church is the apple of God's eyes. We are the mystery of the ages, the channels of corporate anointing. We are the carriers of revival. There is nothing like the church when it is working right. And I want you to know the church is not weak, but strong. It is not defeated, but victorious. The church is not shrinking, it is expanding. It is not regressing, it is progressing. The church is not political, but the church is powerful. There is nothing like the church. Catch the vision of the church victorious. A strong people that will strike fear in the hearts of the enemy's camp. Hallelujah. We are the church of the living God. Amen. Stand to your feet with me this morning. Thank you, Lord. And this morning, we're going to end just with a song to worship the Lord. And as a church, we stand together. Don't rush off right there where you are. Catch a vision of the church victorious. We are the household 
of God, family in the Lord Jesus. That's why we all want to become a part of a contributing part of this body. We are the body of Christ. We all can use our gifts to serve. And we are the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, constantly listening to what the Holy Spirit wants us to do and to obey. Let's worship Him together. Hallelujah.